welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your vindictive neophyte, Frank. And today, we are checking out Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 16, Eye of the Tiger. Now, today, we're going to do things a little differently, and we decided, why not just have the episode just be us like old times? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of nice. I mean, we do love having guests, but honestly, we've been so freaking busy, we haven't been able to line them up quite with quite as if much efficiency as we have in the past. So I was like, hey, I don't really have like a super, like I don't really have uh, guests jumping onto this one. And I was like, well, fuck it. Let's just have it be you and me. So. Yeah. So, but I mean, it is different. The, the girls are here running around jangling. That's no different. Yeah. It's just another day. But um, before we get too far into this episode, quick content warning. Um, we will probably inevitably be talking about ableism. Um, there will be some mentions of racism, suicide, um, as well as there's a random homophobic joke that was really peculiar. Um, but just a quick little prep for that. Um, and why don't you start with our B-plot first? Sure. All right, or we should introduce our A-plot and B-plot. Jesus, Frank, Frank, are you ready to introduce our A-plot and B-plot? Well, I guess I'm the guest. Um, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, the A-plot the a is Jimmy makes his return to uh, Degrassi, and everybody's super pumped to see him except Spinner for obvious reasons. Um, our B-plot is Danny is jealous of JT and Liberty dating, which... I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll, I guess I'll get into it as we talk about it. But, like, as, a, as somebody who has an older sister who dated, I was never like this. And it just weirds me out. So. Yeah. So we'll start with the B-plot first. Um, yeah, this plot's... Hmm. Anyway, it starts off with being in Liberty's family yard. Um, we have Liberty and JT smooing. Um, and Danny, like, walks over, makes a snide remark about Liberty, saying that she had mono, um, and then as Liberty is obviously, like, blissfully happy, smooing Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy, Jesus, JT, um, Danny is then like, hey, JT, you want to go to the skate park? And then as he's asking that, Liberty jumps in and asks if JT will join her in the hot tub, and JT goes, well, this is a fucking no-brainer. Obviously, I'm going to go with the hot tub. Like, no fucking shit. And Danny is very upset. And also then adds that, you know, not only is he upset about this just because he's upset that he's being rejected, but he's also says that, you know, if their dad catches Liberty in the hot tub with JT, then she's going to be in big trouble. Um... And this is where it was kind of weird, because in the process of Liberty and Danny giving their snide remarks, Liberty refers to Danny as a Rottweiler. Yeah. And at first I was like, okay, that's weird. But then they say, oh, Danny, you will, like, let us know. And then JT makes an ugly remark about how, like, he will bark, basically. Um. Oh, but he... Um, so, okay, Liberty, but he won't because if he comes home, you'll give us a signal, JT, something obnoxious, you know, like a bark. And 
Part of me says, part of me says he's just bouncing off of like Liberty referring to Danny as our little Rottweiler, which doesn't make sense as a nickname. Mm-hmm. But like. Even so, that's not great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, like, um, in one of the fandoms I'm in right now, that's, like, a big discussion point about how, like, a character calls, like, a dark-skinned character a dog, and how, like, that's really fucking bad. And it's, like, a similar instance where it's, like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, you... I... I I guess I understand, like, they were trying to make it, like, they wanted to make him feel bad. Like, I feel like it was almost backwards planned, right? Where they were, like, they wanted to make him seem like he was compliant and he was just going to go along with it. What's something that's compliant and goes along with it? Dogs usually are. But at the end of the day, you had a white character tell a black character to behave like a dog. And that is not a good look. Yeah, like, there's, um, there's a... There's this very good Tumblr about writing for people of color. Mm-hmm. Or, Assuming if you are not yeah, of like that me. marginalized like, group. <laughs> if you're like a, sit, a, a cishet white dude who needs all the help he can get to add diversity to his books, and add diversity the correct way, like the like number one thing is like, hey, don't make reference to any people of color as animals. I think that's a good rule. Like, Jesus fuck, that's a great rule. I mean, I didn't really need to know that, but apparently the Grassy writers did. Well, I think it happens very often. Like I said, like in the fandom, like it happened. And I think it was an instance of localization and like it was something that the localizers definitely should have thought more about. But like, I think it, it slips through very easily when you have a privileged, presumably not black group of people running it you know what i mean like if if they are writing it and they're not really thinking they're not really thinking about it um and they're not like putting the energy necessary to truly analyze the writing decisions that they're making then it's almost inevitable that this type of stuff happens you know like it's like if you're not thinking about it at the critical level you need to to make sure you don't fuck it up then you're gonna fuck it up yeah and it's 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 frustrating to hear that but it's basically like if you are a privileged person writing marginalized characters, like, you have to hold yourself constantly, analyze each and every fucking word, each and every single decision, each and every dialogue line, to truly, because it's like, you're going to have bias no matter what. And and the only way that you're going to be able to be an okay writer, not even a perfect writer, is if you truly, like, pick apart each and everything that you're doing. Yeah. And I don't think the Degrassi writers were, and then you end up with this scene being very uncomfortable. And the thing is, is, like, the sentiments of the scene are, are a very real teenage thing, right? Like, you have friends, they end up in the partner trap, and you are upset because they are no longer, like, they're no, you're no longer their number one. And I think ultimately that's actually a very real thing, right? Because Danny has kind of wormed his way into the um dynamic um i think there could have been a way to include him in a way that was more natural but he has found his way into the dynamic and in the process of finding himself into the dynamic he's obviously been very attached to jt and now he's in this weird situation where it's like his sister is preoccupied um and his best like one of his best friends is now in a relationship with his sister um 
I kind of wish we saw more of his relationship with Liberty because it feels like he's very upset that he has lost Liberty. But I also feel like we haven't had that much, like, that much exposure to really them being siblings. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like if they were close, I would feel I would feel more for Danny in this situation. Like, we haven't really seen Liberty that much this no. latter half of the season. Like, she pops up to get this relationship thing started, but... During the entirety of the like the Rick saga, whatever you want to call it, she's gone. Right. The like she gets that one cameo to talk to Craig and Ashley about the band, um, but that's it. And though actually, now that we're like now that we're talking kind of about that about that dynamic, because um, he's friends with both JT and Toby, I'm not realizing. We don't see Toby this episode. No, we don't. But I, I would have, like, considering he was friends with both Rick and Jimmy, that feels like a... Like, that just feels like leaving money on the table. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Because it's... I don't know. Because it's like, where where is Toby at right now? He is in this pretty tough situation that we got a brief glimpse of. But this would have been a perfect time to check in on him and see if he really fit into any of these dynamics at this point. Like, like yeah, like it's, it's, it is leaving money on the table, quite frankly. Um, but it's just like one of these things where it's like, it feels like a lot of this is just not quite as set up as it needed to be to make this a compelling B-plot. Yeah. Um, I think the ideas are good, and I think the ideas are real. Like, that's the thing about this plot, is, like, it is ultimately about a very real sense of jealousy. I feel like jealousy is very hit or miss to me as a writer. I think sometimes there are jealousy stories that are just ridiculous and not how people feel. This is potentially a very real way that jealousy manifests. And it just didn't quite set up... it. The past episodes didn't set up the groundwork necessary. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I mean... The only, like, one really good episode, Jealousy episode I've seen is, um, there's this one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Jake is having his last case with his wife Amy before she becomes a sergeant, and, like, their last case involves, uh, basically a crush that she has on this, like, super buff crosswood puzzle maker. Ooh. Played by her actual husband. Like, Cute. Muscle from Mary's actual husband. And my favorite part about it is, like, when they start resolving it, Jake says, yeah, I'm jealous of this dude. He's so much smarter and more handsome and, like, everything that I'm not. And, like, I can't, I know this is, and, like, admits, this is an ugly feeling on me, but I'm still feeling it. Yeah. And, like, I feel like that's the best way to handle this. But, like, these are children, so they don't handle it well, which I feel like is okay. But, I... The only thing I know about Danny is that he, like, is basically a mini version of all JT and Toby's worst impulses. Yeah. And, like, he's barely, like, so suddenly for them to be like, no, he's actually very concerned about his sister because it's JT. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. Um, I mean, it, so the plot continues. Um, Danny is sitting on the steps at on the front of Liberty's house, Liberty and his house, his family house. Um, and his dad is parking his car. 
And when he goes and approaches Danny, um, he's like, hey, where's Liberty? And Danny says that she's in the hot tub. Now. Can I, I just want to throw this out there, though. I think Mr. Van Zandt is pitch perfect. Yes, I can believe well, like, that is Liberty's father. Like, like, he walks up to his side and goes, good afternoon, Daniel. Sister around. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Yes, this is Liberty's father. This is indeed. Like, so I think I've, I've mentioned before, like, the various nicknames my father had for me. Like, yep. You know, Cockknocker, Fuckface Little Shit, Rollo. One day he came home from work and he was distracted and he's I was like, hey, Dad. And he's like, hello, Franklin. And I stopped on the stairs. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. I was just, like, quickly running through, like, did I fuck up and I don't remember? Did, like, somebody die? Like, what is happening? And like, Dad, Dad, we cool? And he's like, yeah, why? He's like, you called me Franklin. <laughs> you don't do that. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, Rollo. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. i tired. Oh. So, but, yeah. But, because that, like... My parents are very much just like, they had high hopes for us, but they didn't have high expectations for us, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel it. Um, but yeah, so like, he's like, yeah, okay, she's in the hot tub, and his dad enters as like... Okay, but we also, there is also just, I did like, the, the stuff about calling him a Rottweiler is weird, but when Danny just quietly goes, wolf. <laughs> that was, that was actually pretty, yeah. that, it did not make up for it. No. But it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, I, I, That's what I mean. I think they backwards planned it. Like, I feel like it was one of those things they were like, we want to tell this joke. And like, they were like, you know, when you get like tunnel vision and you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it's like, even though it like has like a deeper implication that's bad, it's just like, yeah, but it's going to be funny. And it's like, yes, okay, I guess it was kind of funny at the end, but it still was not something you should have done. I always find it way funnier if people just very quietly will be like, no, stop, don't do that, no. Well, I tried. Right, right, right. <laughs> just like a oof and just move on. <laughs> right, like, it, it. once again, I think the, the idea of having him kind of passively do like the, oh, no. <laughs> Would work, but really, you could have just had him go, oh, no. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, we cut back to a conversation about JT's butt, something I yes, didn't... Yes, apparently he has a big butt. That's something I didn't need. Or um, at least he's trying to get... Um, I think he's fishing for compliments, being like, ah, oh, I have a big butt. And Liberty's like, but I like it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you are so deep in the boyfriend trap. And you know what, Liberty? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I much prefer him them talking about no actually I, I prefer they weren't talking about any of their own anatomy but it's I guess better to not sexualize the girl like it always is right right so they start smooching and Mr. Van Zant pops in gets I feel rightfully angry mm-hmm. <laughs> to find his daughter. Making out with a boyfriend in the hot tub. Yeah, that's pretty fucking racy, ain't it? Yep. Um, <laughs> with better writing, I think he should yell like, well, "This isn't the OC." Oh Get my god! <laughs> but he does the whole like, "Who's a teenage boy? You don't know what he's capable of. You can see him when you're twenty. 
which is like rolls my eyes a little bit it's like okay um that said i feel like if i saw a like one of my children making out with the child in a hot tub i would be a little scandalized too though i would not say that but i would be like oh okay <laughs> i was thinking about Ontario where mrs morgadorfer keeps loudly announcing she's walking into rooms when daria actually has a boyfriend for those like few episodes honestly that's what i would do i'd be like hey everybody i am joining you in the living room <laughs> Um, and, like, she does walk into them and just, she goes, oh, God, no. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of how I feel. It's, like, at that point, it's just, it's really to protect me. I don't want to see it. So, this is me letting you know. I don't want to fucking see it. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> oh, the lies Susie told. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um. Sorry, Mom. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um. We end up in the weird back alley area of school, and Danny is whining about how JT violated bro code, which I think is as silly as it sounds. I understand where this part of the plot would be going in the sense of like, you know, we were friends and now you're dating my sister and now our dynamic is different and that's fucking weird and like, you shouldn't do that. I understand that. I also understand the fear of, like, you know, a romantic relationship doesn't have the implied friends. Like, it's not like friends forever. Like, a romantic relationship, even if you want to be optimistic, there's the always the chance that they could break up. And then Danny loses JT. So, like, I understand his concern in that regard. But, like, then the plot veers in this weird direction where it starts off with, like, that concern. It then becomes, like... Well, JT, like, you don't deserve, like, Liberty sh deserves better than you. And that's the part that began to confuse me, because those seem like two different themes, right? Like. There's a lot going on in this conversation. Yeah. Because, like, he's like, you don't have my permission to go out with her, which Danny, uh, my dude, you don't get to give permission for your sister to go out with anyone. Because, you know, it's not like the 13, 1500s. Um, and that he's not smart enough to date her. And JT, like, I feel like he's actually being reasonable. Where he's like, she likes me. Yeah. Like. Yeah, like, it's not about your standards. It's what she wants. Which is real, right? Like, that's a very real thing that I think a lot of family members have difficulty processing when it comes to, um, you know, people in their lives getting, having romantic relationships. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to want, like, what's best for your sibling or whatever. But ultimately, like, their goal is to what be do what makes them happy. And also, like, it's a sucky thing to kind of have to accept, which isn't really a concept in this episode. But there's also the general thing of, like, when you are a kid, like, or any any age it's not really about even being a kid like if you have a shitty partner you kind of have to realize it on your own they're a shitty partner people telling you they're a shitty partner is just gonna make like you more obstinate and probably want to like want to be successful and beat the odds i've i have been the barometer for my sister's boyfriends on numerous occasions and generally when i'm like She'll be like, what do you think of this movie? I'm like, I don't like him. And 
they'll still date, and then she'll be like, why do I never listen to you when you say that? Right, because people don't want to hear that. And I think that there's something to be said of, like, you know, you, you put on blinders a lot of the time when it comes to romantic relationships, and some of it is just that wanting to be loved and all that type of stuff and you you have compromises and you make more and more compromises but also sometimes like you are willing to compromise more than somebody who you're close with right like what i think is inexcusable do not know i would never date this person to you frank might be something that can be negotiated yeah and that's all there is to it too and i'm not you don't offer your opinion unless they ask yeah, like, if you're just going to say, hey, I hate this person, hey, I hate this person, one, it's going to make your tension, make your friendship have tension, but two, it also kind of, I don't know, some people, they need to not be trained, but, like, sometimes they just need to learn a little more, or have a different perspective, and things like that. Yeah. We have really shitty models for romantic relationships, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Very shitty models. Um, yeah, we're gonna see actually this come up in the next scene, but we need to finish this one where, uh, Danny decides to take it to the too far limit and says, I guess you'll need her help to read the instructions on your penis pump in the transcript written P-E-N-1-S pump. Nice! (laughs) But yeah, everyone's just like, (laughs) I do like in the background behind JT, these three, like... These three boys were playing basketball, and they immediately stop and just start smiling and looking at him. To be fair, if I heard fucking penis pump, I'd drop everything. <laughs> but, um, they, so he drops the penis pump thing. JT is obviously very, very angry about this, and eventually they just kind of start doing, like, a really, like, ugly shuffling fight where there's a lot of just, like, pushing and not really any blows, per se. It's just a lot of just, like, shoving. It's it's the fight of people who haven't actually gotten into a serious fight before. Yes. Where they don't actually throw punches. Right. Right. It's like the type of fighting that you are not in the red zone to a point that you, like, are not cognizant of everything. Like, you're still like, oh, I don't want to, like, hurt this thing or that thing. Which we do eventually see because um, eventually JT kind of shoves Danny and Danny slams his head on the sidewalk. Which is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, and as he's hitting the pavement, Liberty then appears and puts her hand to the back of his head, and he's bleeding. Like, that's a big fucking deal. Like, that that, uh, that requires some medical attention. And Liberty is really pissed off about it, and really pissed off at JT. Yeah, um, and this, of course, mirrors the uh, Rump- Tybalt-Mercutio fight in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. It's, sure, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Miss um, Kwan will use this later in her lecture. Kwan's like, ooh, this is a teachable moment. <laughs> um, so this goes back to what we were talking about. Liberty is just writing stuff down and crumpling up notebook paper. I don't know exactly what's going on. Um and she says, no trespassing because your stupid little boy crush ruined everything. Yeah, and that was also very peculiar to me. Because that just is like, I mean, it's not it's not unusual for the time period. It's just like, do we really have to go down this road? I'm so tired. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, haha, male intimacy, it's fake. 
I'm just reminded of, like, every, like, anime I've seen where people are just like, I'm just, don't you just get tired sometimes? <laughs> and just like, you know, I feel that with this show. I just get so tired. Right, right. And it's like, what we're talking about here is, like, I, I think that the two things that we're talking about in this conversation are, like, I don't want to say... I don't want to say that they are um, small scale because I think that they speak to deeper issues in society, et cetera, et cetera. However, I, I do still feel like, like it's just like a, a pile up basically that ends up happening while watching this show where it's like, if you watch like one episode, you're like, okay, fine, whatever. And you stretch it out. You're like, okay, fine, whatever. But the fact that we spend week after week really deep diving into each of these episodes you get very exhausted by the little things that just keep piling up because it feels like every you know every couple episodes there is a joke like this or like a reference like this and it's not appropriate and it's not good to have and yet it happens and it just man i just <sighs> we're just tired of it yeah but also like it's just frustrating it's almost more exhausting for me because i know that there are times that degrassi does things very well yeah i i feel like if it's just a mediocre if we were just watching like a shitty teen drama and it was always this type of mediocrity i'd be like whatever let it wash over me but the fact that i know this show has done things well and i've seen things done well and still translate very positively to me in in the year of 2019 makes me frustrated yeah so this is where we see kind of um danny points out all the things that jt is which is a non-stop farting horn dog which not not unfair We've seen JT. Yeah, no, he, hey, that's right. Liberty's got the blinders on and just yells, he was my boyfriend. Yeah. Um, then we cut to, once again, back at Liberty's. Uh, Liberty is saying she's not in the mood for hullabaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a word I need to start saying more. It's um, a very Liberty word. JT is there. Uh, Liberty is just, like, Danny explains, he was the one who started the fight, it wasn't JT's fault. Um, Liberty brings up a good point, he didn't have to finish it. Yeah. Like, he could, like, Liberty should be like, he could have just put his hand on top of your head and done that thing where you try and get at him, but, like, he keeps you at arm's length. It's, it's true, though. Like, I think there is something to be said there, where it's like, you didn't have to give in to the macho culture surrounding the bro code and shit like this and and you know engage into the in engage i mean it's also just like danny is two years younger than jt is yeah in high school that's a huge difference he's a baby yeah um so uh mr fans once maybe again only one year i think they're still sophomores well he's a seventh grader i thought he was a ninth grader no 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 danny yeah i thought he was a ninth grader I thought he was a seventh grader because this is the first time he showed up. I thought at the beginning of this episode, at the beginning of the season, they're giving tours to all the new kids, and that's when he's just like, that's when he decides to hit on uh, Manny. I'm looking this up. Okay. Anyway, 
Mr. Van Sant still can't find his daughter anywhere, apparently. No, it's like a, it's like the tiniest house with a small, reasonable yard. And yet, Danny begins grade 9 at Degrassi. He likely attended grade 7 and 8 of Degrassi, though off screen. Alright. Thank you. Thank you. So, so wait, so JT and Liberty are sophomores, he's a freshman? Yes. Okay. Alright. Still looks like a fucking child to me. Um, they all look like children, because they are all children. Uh, Danny, like, makes up a lie about how he's practicing for an oral presentation. Mr. Van Zandt is very happy about this. And then Danny looks back and JT and Liberty are smooching. And he's like, God, oh, gross, I give up. And that's where that plot line ends. <laughs> yeah. It was nothing. <laughs> it, it really truly feels like nothing when we just presented all of it sequentially. Like... <laughs> At the time, I was like, fine. But now that you're listening it out, I'm like, wow, this literally was nothing. There, there, there is literally no arc to this plot line. I think everybody's still basically where they are at the beginning. Oof. So anyway. Anyway. A plot. Now to a plot that things move quite a bit. You know what I've you know kind of realized, though? When it's just you and me, we move through this way faster. We do. I mean, it's give I, and take, right? I, I think the thing is, like, when we have a third person here... We feel like a need to entertain that person. Yeah. And now that it's just us, we're just like, well, let's buy it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we're more to the point. It's a, it's a give and take. Yeah. Um, yes. To be, uh, though, let it be said, I still love all the guests equally, and every one of them have brought something to the show. Absolutely. In case you're listening to this. Right. Like, please, please come back. <laughs> um... No, I think it's just, it's different, right? Like, it doesn't make one option bad, one option good. It's just they're different. Yes? I was thinking about, like, through all the moments of our all our various guests, I just remember that time Nikki's just like, yeah, sometimes, like, when I split my pants with my giant dick. Yep. You're, like, really entertained by that, and it's really funny to very entertained by Nikki in general. That's fair. Nikki, come back. <laughs> um, so... Uh, all of Degrassi has come out to, oh, uh, A-plot, all mm-hmm. of Degrassi, sorry, quick divergence, why the fuck is this episode called Eye of the Tiger? Hmm. Yeah, it's not the best fit. I feel like there were other episodes that could have been called Eye of the Tiger before this one. I really hope there's a third one and I can just claim as a trilogy. We have Eye of the Beholder, Eye of the Tiger. What I was mean, the last one? Eye of the Beholder. No, but I mean, what's the last one? Oh, I don't know. I can't look ahead. <laughs> Go through your uh, your freaking uh, iTunes. Your gigantic iTunes. <laughs> Alright, that's going to take a minute to load up. Yep. Um, so we start at the front of the school. I, I just also wanted to say I'm much more of a fan of Tigers than Beholders, much like Visser 3. Fair enough. Um, so we have Jimmy coming out of... A van that has a ramp worked into it so he's able to get out easily in his wheelchair. Um, his friends are watching and clapping. We have a lot of focus on the usual suspects. Um, you have Hazel referencing my boyfriend's back by the angels. You have um, Marco and company kind of marveling at seeing Jimmy. Um, 
I remember, so I was watching this episode on YouTube, and I really appreciated the top comment that I saw was somebody bemoaning how little Hazel has in the story, in this story, and how, in many ways, this should have at least had her somewhat in it. And I really appreciate this commenter, because I I agree, like, it's kind of weird that literally like her boyfriend whom she was so moved by and so upset by being hurt in such a way is now like just kind of like muttering a song reference and just kind of that's it for the episode yeah well i mean the whole thing like this is goes back to my main complaint of after the shooting how much did we actually see jimmy coming to terms with what was happening to him we had that amazing episode, um, or at least what I thought was uh, the the secret two-parter, where we got to see Jimmy, like, frustrated with what's going on in his life and whatnot, but, like, he learns that he's never going to walk again off-screen. Hazel learns that off-screen, and they... S- I'm not saying it's impossible, but, like, that's a tough road to like road to go down for even like adults and these are you know two teenagers and hazel has learned this news with jimmy and has stuck by him Mm -hmm. and we don't get that so leaving toby at was like leaving like a 50 dollar bill on the table this is like leaving just a stack of hundreds agreed like we have these two phenomenal actors and you're just not giving them these, th- not giving them these, uh, like these beautiful scenes. And I hope there's something like we do have the DVDs for this for this season. And I pray to God there's something in the deleted scenes showing this. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It is. It just kind of feels like a bit of a disservice to not really have. I don't know, have any of this really explored at the level that I think it should be. Like, I w- if I was in charge of this show, like, and you needed to have all those stupid episodes that meant nothing, like, oh no, downtown Sasquatch is having plans because Ashley wants to join. Mm-hmm. Like, just lengthen that a bit more, but like, put in the Jimmy and Hazel That would like, be good. Episode. That would be really good. It's just... It was, it's just so frustrating. It is. I agree. Um, your your skins idea about like showing how this is affecting each character was brilliant. Thank in, you. In comparison to what we got of this awfulness. It's true. Thank you. Um, but we end up at the front of the school. Everyone's cheering. Um, Spinner is opening up the door and waving at Jimmy. And Jimmy glares. Um, and as they are kind of having this visual exchange, Manny appears and hangs off of Spinner. So they're still together. Yeah. Um, we end up in the classroom. Jimmy is awkwardly making his way to the computer table so he can use the desktop. Spinner approaches him. Um, I do, I do like, Jimmy like, okay, who's ramping it with me? And Marco's, let's go! (laughs) Right. (laughs) Spinner's terrible in this episode. Marco's the best. It's true. So, Spinner... <laughs> Degrassi, a summary. Spinner's the worst in this. Marco's the best. Right. There's so many episodes where that fits. I'm just talking about the whole series. That's also true. Um, so, Spinner approaches Jimmy, um, and Jimmy is 
not enthused about it. Um, he is, he kind of says, like, oh, like, are you really just here to gawk at me and things like that? Um, because we can see he's able to navigate the school, but he is still struggling with, like, holding certain things or, um, you know, getting information correct and everything. I mean, it's, it's trauma, right? Like, it's going to mess with you, and then there's also just, like, the physical aspect of it of, like, some parts of his body had to be rebuilt through medicine, and, like, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation to be in, um, because, and it's not even, it's just because, like, schools are really bad at actually being able to help help with disabilities yeah. like the school that i worked at before my promotion literally had it was grandfathered in post ada stuff you literally cannot enter the building if you need a ramp it has absolutely no ramp Wow. Yeah. There's no ramp, and there are four floors, and there's no elevator. So, kids basically can't apply to the school if they have physical disabilities a lot of the time. Unless, like, they are able to navigate the stairs. I'm just thinking about my my school, Henry Hudson, which had a bad rep, and we still put in all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a little harder in New York City. Because yeah. it's like doing construction in New York City is such a huge endeavor. And there's also so many schools, I guess. Exactly. There's so many schools, and the school that I worked at has a very, very large number of kids. It's just hard to really find the compromise of it. Yeah. Nearly impossible, really. Um, so... So... Uh, before we before we go on, I do want to just say I'm giving Jimmy the episode. He let gets, Jimmy say fuck. Let Jimmy say fuck award. He deserves it. Yeah. Um, um, but like he listens to Spinner's poor excuses. It's far more understanding than he deserves to be. Well, Spinner does like the whole, I suck type stuff, which like once your apology has like any type of phrasing that suggests that you are like an idiot. You dumb, you like, like, or you know what I mean. Like, just like every single type of descriptor. It's like, it's so, it, it's, I don't know. It's just very. The, there's, a, there's a line between accepting responsibility and saying like, look, there's no excuse for the way I acted. Right. Like there comes a point. I was thinking about this because this happened in my video game. Um, <clears throat> where. To apologize, it's one thing, like, apologies are, like, two two different things. One, they feature the whole, like, I am sorry for blank. And then the second part is, like, how you take accountability. And the thing about Spinner is, is that he is just saying he's sorry, saying he's sorry so that he feels better. As opposed to actually going, okay, like, objectively speaking, what do I need to do from this point? Who am I supposed to, like, you know, apologize to? And what missions, what tasks, what anything can I do to help this person? And support them. And Jimmy is, um, he kind of just deflects. And he straight up says, like, you know, I basically don't have the time or energy to be angry at you. Yeah. And that's, 
personally, I find that to be far worse than anything. I think as soon as someone feels nothing towards you, then you're really fucked. Yeah, and also, um, just bouncing off of what Donnie was saying, like, if that second part of it, the what do you need to do to make amends, like, you have to include the person you're apologizing to in that reconciliation process, which we do not see Spinner do. Yeah. Um, Mr. Simpson is happy to see Jimmy again. Um, which I thought was cute. Yeah, exactly. Um. You can tell he's very fond of him. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to a montage of Spinner helping Jenny, Jenny, Jimmy, um, just get his book. I'm just going to read from the transcript. Get his book in his locker. Sure. Pushing it through the halls, giving me a water bottle. We can't use the water fountain. Taping the cords on the ground so Jimmy can wheel right over them. Um, and looking at the trophy case thing, following Mr. Armstrong up some stairs. Yeah. Um, After he stares at a basketball trophy that has two little plaques on it that have Jimmy's name on it. Yeah. Um, uh -oh. So we cut to the basketball game. Yep. Jimmy's watching and enjoying it. My notes are basketball game wow. <laughs> um, Spinner's now on the team. Like yeah, that. he's gotten promoted. Yeah. Because um, Sean's gone. They're like, we need another vaguely athletic white boy. <laughs> Spinner will do. Him and his undercut. Right. Which is now just seemingly out of control. I'm telling that haircut was before its time. Before people knew what to do. <laughs> before they knew who it belonged to. Right, exactly. There, you get it, Frank. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> yes, um, Armstrong wishes to congratulate Jimmy, um, and Spinner then jumps in to announce that the basketball trophy will be known as, like, the Jimmy Brooks trophy, um, and Jimmy kind of gives a, a message of how he will be the, he'll be MVP for a third time this time next year. Um, and you can tell he's, like, really upset, and you hear the sad, ominous music, and you know that he's saying this, but this is just lip service to the crowd. Yeah. And that's another thing I feel like if it was done, if this was done by the correct writing team, I think that this would have been actually what's pulled out for the bulk of the episode. The idea of, like, people expecting that you're going to get better, and, you know, they know this person who suddenly learned how to walk, or they watch this news article, or they, like, talk to their therapist about blank. Um, and it would have been interesting for him to be like, yeah, you know, like, people keep shoving remedies at me and things like that. Like, they're so fearful of, you know, the fact that I am disabled, which is something that should not have this type of fear attached to it. Yeah. Like, it's... They want him to be better so they can stop feeling so uncomfortable. Exactly. And that's the thing. I think it is that uncomfortable piece of it. Where yeah. it's like, you know, are there things that Jimmy has to learn how to do or relearn how to do? Absolutely. But also, there's a way to have that be talked about and not treated as this, like, dirty or inept type of thing. Yeah. Um, somebody made a good point about that movie, The Theory of Everything, mm -hmm. the Stephen Hawking movie, 
um, about, like, there's this scene where, um, he gets, like, this woman drops something in the front row of one of his lectures, and he gets up out of his chair and, like, goes and picks it up for her, and the, um, the person reading the article was disabled and said, Mm -hmm. like, this is, like, that was one of the most, like, unsettling and distressing things I saw in this movie, because it's just, like... The, the movie felt the need to remind us, no, he's fine. Like, he doesn't need the chair. Like, you're, you're, you can be comfortable again because he's actually able to walk. And it's just like, it's, I don't know why people are being uncomfortable by it. Like, well, I mean, honestly, we do not have enough time yeah. to, to truly unpack that on here. But I do think that. Especially in the case of Jimmy, and when you have an athlete do this, it's like, oh, your body has failed you. You are mortal. How scary. And it's like, it, it, it makes this come off far more doom and gloom and more anxiety-inducing. Because it's like, it's basically, it's, it's a type of plot that's not meant for disabled audiences. Mm-hmm. It is meant to make able-bodied individuals uncomfortable yeah and that's all there is to it it's most or like to elicit an emotion from them as opposed to this is an experience that you know our disabled viewers may connect to i don't think jimmy really was ever written in a way to actually connect with a disabled audience Mm. which sucks because you know how important would that be but I don't think Jimmy's really intended to be, especially with the way this plot runs out. I mean, how... Like, we had that discussion a few... Like, a few months ago about, like, how many, like, healthy, you know, uh, queer relationships do you find on TV? I was able to name a fair amount, but, like, I'm at a loss to name how many, like, disabled characters you see on TV. Right, like As, the nearest I can remember is the one kid from Glee. Uh, there's a guy on Superstore, um, and that's about it. And are you only talking about physical disabilities in this context? Yeah, yeah. So <sighs> anyway, yeah, I I really feel like this is one of those things where they were like, we're gonna have him get shot because of drama, and then they're like, fuck. <laughs> It's it's like the um, the Degrassi writing room is basically the underwear gnomes from South Park. We're like, okay, Jimmy gets shot for drama. Step two, step three, plot line. But yeah, it just kind of feels like it's just like <laughs> step three, back to business. That's the thing. It's just like it just feels like they're consistently writing over there. They're like in over their heads and and. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes you do write things and you're over your head. And sometimes that's the way that you learn how to grow as a writer, right? Like, sometimes you you pick something and you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But ultimately, it's a way for you to learn. And in this case, it doesn't really feel like that. I mean, we... Also, maybe you should do your learning and experimenting as a writer, not on a TV show that impressionable teenagers watch. Maybe you should have an inclusive writing room as well. No, oh, perhaps. Oh, man, that that was too large of a goal for me to even think about. <laughs> maybe, like, if I look up who the writer is, it would be nice if it wasn't just a white person always. <laughs> right. Right. 
So anyway. But yeah, so, you know, we go to the gym. Jimmy is struggling to try and shoot a layup. Um, and he gets so upset with himself, he kind of just, like, slams his fist on his chair. Um, and Spinner comes over, slides, and grabs the ball and sits on it. And Jimmy says, like, you know, my basketball career's over. Um, and Spinner is very, like, hurt by this. And Jimmy is trying to explain, like, look, like, I've spent the past three months just kind of lying around. And because of that, my mind can just wander. And he talks a lot about how he couldn't stop thinking about Rick and all the things that he did to him. And then it goes into this dark suicidal type of deal where he's like, you know, I wish Rick finished the job. And, you know, some of these very difficult emotions and very sad mental illness related emotions that are kind of coming from Jimmy in this moment. Um, and Spinner is kind of beside himself, which to be fair, most teenagers would. Um, and he tries to reassure him, but Jimmy is angry um, and blames everything on himself and like Rick snapping, all these types of things, like puts the pressure onto himself. Um, and, yeah, Frank. No, I'm sorry, it just, it breaks my heart, because, like, if, and, you know, time stands still, Jimmy was trying so hard to build a bridge to, like, Rick. Right. Ugh. Exactly, and it's like... I know you... I'm falling right into the trap that the Grassy Riders are setting for me here, but it's just, like... I don't know, like, I, like Jimmy's, like, such a great character, I, like... From the jump, I was like, I'm in, I'm in with this kid, and like they put him in this place, and I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> he was trying so hard to help. Exactly, he was, and like, no, he didn't do everything perfectly, but also he was actually close to Terry. Like, him having an issue with Rick is not an an accurate decision, as they were. You know, they were pretty dang close. No. Oh, I screwed up my sentence. I'm sorry. I'm getting tired. Anyway, um, Jimmy was, like, sincerely trying his best to build a bridge. And I don't know. It just sucks. It's a sucky situation. It's a sucky situation. It's, it's not... And I feel like the... I don't want to say the boring part is, like, the, oh, he got cut down in his prime... It kind of is, because in this case, it is this kind of complicated interpersonal relationship. And Jimmy's not wrong in many ways, in the sense of, like, you know, he he had every right to be suspicious of Rick. He had evidence to be suspicious of Rick. Um, he didn't handle it great, but he was still, like, he's just a teenager, like... You can be a teenager and do some shitheaded things, but it doesn't mean that you deserve what he has had to go through. Yeah. Like, that's a deeply traumatic experience to get freaking shot. Yeah. But, oofa doofa. Um, so, as this is happening, Spinner then decides to come clean about what happened. Um, specifically the fact that he told Rick that it was Jimmy's doing, um, and because of that, Jimmy goes like, oh, wow, like, then instantly I got shot, basically. 
it was like, oh, okay, he found out. And then, like, a very short time frame later, I got shot. Yeah. Which is sad as hell. Um, and Jimmy is just so angry, he just rolls out. Yeah. So, and Spinner's left crying, and mm-hmm. I feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you had consequences, buddy. You know, you know when the time to discuss this was immediately after it happened. Right, right. It's like I understand that like reporting bullying can be so hit or miss. There are so many cases where I was like, hmm, maybe this should have been like brought up more, but like they just kind of die on the conference table. But like, goddamn. Yeah. Um. Like, you could have at least gone to visit him. Like, right. Right. Like, that's the thing. It's like, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy's just like, why didn't you visit? And Spinner just blames the fact that, like... She's busy. Yeah, he's like, he's just busy around here. Uh, have, have, have I introduced you to my new girlfriend, Manny? Right. Like, it's just... it's full. He's full of excuses. Um, And we end up in the school entrance, and Craig sees that Spinner is here and makes a big stink about it. Um... And Marco says, like, you know, you better not be planning on going to that party. Like, people don't want you there. Don't even bother. I, I did like Craig and Marco having Jimmy's back. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'd hope they do. Because they were spending so many evenings with, with him. And I also love the fact that this has spread through the school like goddamn wildfire. Right, exactly. <laughs> I am... I like to think there was a moment where, like, Jimmy went to go talk to the crew, including Hazel and Paige, and Paige was like, what? Right. And then, like, she's just like, and send all. Yep. Exactly. Um, so, Craig sees Spinner, he's like, hey, like, you're here, Marco says, fuck off, don't go to the party, and then Spinner tries to approach Manny in a chance of trying to find some semblance of normal and Miss Manny just walks the fuck away. Oh, Manny. Thank you for that. (laughs) Right? Like, thank you. Thank you. I needed it. Anyway, so we end up at the dot and this woman with Cheeto dreads, as in they're literally orange. This is a white woman with orange and yellow dreads. Um... Asks where, like, Spinner's gang is because it's like, oh, they usually came in, have money and stuff. And Jay enters and he's like, oh, yeah, I called it. Oh, my God. What if they're like, we're going to boycott the dot until Spinner gets fired? Now, that would be interesting, but I don't think that was going on. Um, And then Jay, like, really goes into a dark place and is like, hey, if you want to get yourself punished, I can just fucking punch you. And it's like, oh, okay, so we're going into a really weird place. You know, there's a fanfiction written about this. I'm positive there's a fanfiction written about this. In fact, I'm pretty certain somebody tweeted me once about Jay Spinner. I think somebody did. I don't like it, but I see it. You know what it is? It's one of those things where it's like, it's not a ship, but it's something, I, it's a dynamic that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Like, I feel like... 
in my old age, I, I'm able to identify things that I don't ship so much as I am absolutely fascinated by the dynamic of. Yeah. And I feel like they fall under that, where it's like, I would love to read, like, character studies and things like that. Yeah. So, look for, there's probably a fan fiction on AO3 that's just 300,000 words about Jane Spinner. Um, and I don't think it's 300,000 words, but God bless if there is. Um... And they start tussling. Yep. Cheeto waitress is like, take that shit outside. Right. Like, she's like, get the fuck out. When Spinner does leave, he sees Jay just kind of perched up on the dumpsters. And he, Jay eventually, like, reveals that he has, like, alcohol and, like, chaser and shit. Just kind of, like, dumps coke into a fucking, like, thing of hard liquor. <laughs> Unidentified weird octagonal bottle of liquor. <laughs> right, right. They're really into octagonal bottles. Um, and then he like is as he's mixing the drinks, he's like, "Us outlaws need to stick together." You guys aren't outlaws, you're idiots. Right, right. And then they're wandering in the woods, and Jay asks about the party, um, and is like, "Hey, your friends can go to hell." And Spinner's like, to which Spinner's like, "Yeah, but like, you weren't friends with them. You don't understand what I'm going through." Um, and Jay says that, like, you know, it's interesting because, like, everyone blamed everything on Rick, and then once Rick was gone, who got blamed but us? So he's, like, trying to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> who got blamed but the people who are at fault? Right, right. He's like, man, it sucks how we did this. <laughs> <laughs> this is our fault. Right. And Spinner in retaliation downs the rest of the bottle and then throws it against a tree which jay is like really into and from afar you just hear mr simpson go hey you're disturbing the insects this is insect club right oh my god that would have been so funny because it's the same goddamn woods <laughs> right exactly um so we end up at jimmy's party which is a very low-key thing honestly it's the type of party i would still go to at this age which is like they have like a TV karaoke thing happening. It's very small. Everyone's just kind of laughing as Craig is singing Taking Care of Business. Um, it's like... If we were teenagers, we would be doing this at um, somebody's house. But now that we're adults, we can't actually go to a karaoke bar. That's true. Um, Craig does not know the words to it. Um, Spinner walks in and knocks over a lamp. I'm just... And like, he like stumbles, and I'm just like, "Fuck it!" Hasn't Jimmy? Excuse me. Hasn't Joey suffered enough at this point? Right, like exactly. Like Joey's poor house is now getting <laughs> fucking wrecked. But um, but yeah, like I have expected Spinner to be like, "Well, I'll just leave," and just jumps through a window, and Craig be like, "God damn it!" <laughs> Craig's just like, "Fuck." <laughs> I like, I didn't do anything for once. <laughs> I'm trying to be a good boy. <laughs> like, I'm doing well. I'm in group therapy. I'm medicated. I'm going to see a therapist. I'm doing all of everything right. And you, <laughs> motherfucker. LA and I had, like, a moment last week at group. It was good. <laughs> right. Like, he's so proud of himself. And then fucking Spinner is just stumbling along. But, um... Yeah, it's, like, a really fucking tense thing because, like, Spinner's staggering in um, and he's begging Jimmy to, like, not hate him and shit. And then when Jimmy is just, like, fuck off. 
And he, and Jimmy says to Craig, it's still your song on. And Which is so Jimmy, I feel like. Yeah, but like, I would, like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever been able to recover from, like, two people taking, like, a board game too seriously or, like, you're younger and, like, you hear your parent, like, you hear the parents of the person you're over their house yell at your, like, the host and you're just like, oh, we're just gonna go back to normal because I don't really feel up to it. Right, right. (laughs) But, like, Jimmy's just trying to plow ahead. Um, And... Spinner takes the keys to, like, go to Joey's car, and Marco is running behind him, which I find, I don't know, it's, it is it is ultimately interesting, right? Because this is such, like, a, their dynamic, I feel like, has been put on the back burner, but I wish it was kind of talked about more, because I find their dynamic to be, once again, not a ship, but complicated, which I think is what I was trying to do as a kid, but my little pea brain shipped it because I was a child, and I couldn't understand, like, nuance at the level that I can now because that's a dynamic that has grown quite a bit and it would be interesting to see like does Marco still hold resentment towards Spinner which he absolutely has a right to um and things like that but Marco at the end of the day is a good boy saw that somebody was grabbing keys when he's clearly inebriated and then rushed out yeah and it's just like instinct it looked like it like just was like he saw it he identified the issue he ran out yeah and um marco is like yelling at him being saying like don't drive and as he's yelling craig joins him and says that spinner needs to get out of the car once again this is a moment where i want craig to be like joey has been through enough (laughs) like joey's been through enough because of please because of me because of everything he might lose the dealership don't let him lose his sweet sweet ride right like i am begging you look beyond yourself um and then jimmy <laughs> could you for once think about somebody other than yourself and Paige is like and that's coming from craig right like it's coming from <laughs> craig so like that's when you know that shit is serious um and fucking um Jimmy um, takes matters into his own hands because Spinner starts the car, gets ready to go, and Jimmy just puts himself in front of the car. Um, And Spinner is trying to get him to get away from it, so he's lucid enough that he, like, knows to stop the car, and he's, like, begging Jimmy to drive, to uh, move away from the the car so he can drive off. Yep. And... And I'm sorry. And then... Wow, like, Jimmy just fucking unloads on him, and it's like, you know, you... When have you ever treated me as a friend? Like, you've always been selfish. Yeah. Which we have seen in earlier seasons as well. I mean, Jimmy has not been perfect himself, but Spinner has been fucking boneheaded consistently. Honestly, like, this moment reminds me of why I like Jimmy so much. Yeah. Because, like... I love Marco, but Marco is, is... He's very by the book. Yeah, well, he's, um... He's not as, like... Craig, like, is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Marco, Marco is, is a, bit a bit too, too like, not strong-willed enough when something needs to get done. Mm-hmm. When Jimmy sees something wrong, Jimmy will step up and, like, just be this person of strength like 
when, you know, in Time Stands Still, once again, like, he, um, like, he says to Rick, like, he stands up to Jay, and he says, like, I got your back from now on. Like, same thing with Terry, like, I'm here for you. Like, he just is, like, this pillar of strength that I've really missed in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck it. I mean, like, even when, like, everything was falling around Craig's ears, he was there for Craig. Yeah. Like. It's, I think the thing about Jimmy is, and I've said this before, like, Jimmy is written in a way that he is probably one of the more accurate kids in terms of, like, teen sense of humor and reaction. Like, he is a little sarcastic, and he is a little, not mean, I don't really think he's that mean, I think he's just very, like, to the point. Yeah. And, like, he is a lot, like... He's cutting. Yes, yes, and and I think that's just the way he is, and that's consistently been the way he is. And it's interesting because I think this happens a lot with kids, even if they are this cutting, even if they are this to the point, there's probably a friend they are constantly making compromises for because they're a teenager, because they've been close to this person, because they've known this person for a significant chunk of their life. And I feel like that has happened a lot with Spinner and Jimmy in the sense that they've had, like, there were so many times when we were watching Spinner and Jimmy episodes and we would be like, are they even friends? Why are they even friends? And they are constantly connected to each other. And this is one of the times where Jimmy is just straight up, like, spin, like, you are selfish. Yeah. I've never, like, you know, I have not felt like we are friends. Yeah. And that's tough to hear. And it's definitely a weird circumstance to be told it. But it's something that it, where I think parts of the B plot felt like it was out of left field. This didn't feel out of left field at all. It felt actually like something that has been building since like season two. It felt like a catharsis. Yes. It it truly felt like a catharsis. Um, And I think it was a catharsis because it was something that was beyond the scope of the school shooting, right? Like this is something that... It's just spin up to another, like, fucking fucked up thing. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy then says, like, you know, like, whatever. Like, just fucking drive off a bridge like you're dead to me. Yeah. Which is fucking hard to hear. Yeah. And this is the moment where I think Jimmy could have said the F word also. Yes. Jimmy could have said fuck. Just a whole string of curses. Right. Right. And it's like... It's incredibly tough to hear, right? Like, it's 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 incredibly cruel. And it's not necessarily that it's appropriate for Jimmy to say it, but I do understand where he's coming from simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and Spinner finally relinquishes the keys back to Craig and begins crying. And once more, I feel nothing. But now I also just imagine Craig just sitting there on the porch, like, everybody's back inside at the party. He's like... All right, Spin, anytime I want to get out of that car, so I can move it back into its parking space, would be great. Right, like, can you just at <laughs> least get out of the driver's seat, please? And then, like, like everybody leaves, and Craig's cleaning up, and, like, Joey's like, what happened to the lamp? And Craig is just like, you would not believe the day I've had. <laughs> right, like, you would never believe. <laughs> and, and just, like, like, we were all in here having a good time, and then Spinner came in here drunk because blah, blah, blah. And, and Joey's like, all right, cool. <laughs> Why don't you take it easy, Craig? I can tell you. Yeah. Joey's just like, wait, 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 Craig. You didn't cause any of this. <laughs> Craig's like, no, I was just sitting taking care of business. <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped the trouble from happening. 
I was responsible. Proud of you, Craig. Honestly, I'm proud of you. So, cut to Mrs. Hedlockhouse's office. And Spinner just straight up says, like, he finally admits that he was bullying Rick. And he takes the blame for the prank. And Hasselakos is, like, going in for the kill. She's like, is there anyone in on it? And he's like, yeah, Jay. Wow, what a fucking, like, fucking rat. Just, like, all out there. Jay is owed no loyalty. I know, I know. But I'm still like, wow, like, just fucking doing it. You know what I mean? Like, the... Like, I don't know. I feel like it does make me kind of think about what Jimmy said about, like, Spinner always being selfish, right? Not to say that, like, I don't know. Like, there is something to be said about telling the truth. Mm -hmm. But there is something kind of vindictive about dragging another person in on it. Even if they were technically a part of it, it kind of hits, like, a different level. And, like, like... I don't know. Does, and I don't know the answer to this really, does ratting someone out follow through the idea of accountability? Is that still accountability? Or is accountability a singular, I am taking accountability for my personal actions and I can only speak to my personal actions? Well, the thing, the thing is... I'm not being glib either. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think you are. The thing is, there's a difference between, like, there's a difference between, um, like, the, sent, like, the whole plotline of Scent of a Woman mm-hmm. and this. Well, I wouldn't even say, okay, that's a bad example, because Scent of a Woman is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing is, Jay, if Spinner doesn't say Jay was in on it, Jay just continues going through the school feeling untouchable. Right. Because he got away with it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that would not sit well with me. That's fair. Like, I, I don't think Spinner put this much thought into it, but, like, my thought is just, like, there could be another kid that's going to come along. Just... I, I, like, knocked my phone. Nope. There's going to be a kid coming along who's probably going to be as weird as Rick... Or as troubled as Rick, Jay will just go for it because he doesn't think any of this is his fault. And it'll either lead to tragedy in one way or another. Like, the thing is, Jay feels nothing about any of this. Yeah. So, why wouldn't I do something to go after him? That's fair. If, if like, Jay was, you know, if Jay admitted it to Jimmy or, like, did something for recompense... And, like, was in some way, like, showing that, like, yes, I fucked up. I did a bad thing. That's a different story. Okay. Like, you know, sometimes your friends fuck up. Mm-hmm. And you cover for them. Like, you know, this is, it's like they go to a party and they're supposed to. They, like, you know, maybe smoke some, like, grass or whatever. And you cover because that's the right thing to do. Mm. Like, but somebody, like, Jimmy got, like, put in a wheelchair. Rick died because of what they did. And Jay doesn't give a fuck. And that cannot stand. Like, he has to be made accountable. And Spinner is literally the only one who can do that. Okay. 
So. All right. Um, as he reveals all this, I sincerely ask because I don't know. Because to me, I feel like my my thing would be I would not tell, but I think that more speaks to what I am as a person and less what accountability looks like. Mm-hmm. I think like I I am very like myopic in that sense where it's like if I fucked up, then I'm going to take accountability and like me rattling off who else was responsible for me does not like help me. Mm-hmm. But I once again, I think that's more me, less Sorry. like what accountability looks like. I mean, we're from Jersey. We have a very strong no snitching code. This is true. This is true. Um, so I feel like it's it's more of a, a bad habit that we have. Like I I had a I had a friend in high school who planned to have a fight against another another kid, and I disapproved of it because I didn't want to see him hurt. Mm-hmm. I didn't snitch. Yeah. Like I was just part of me, but then again, part of me was just like, you know what? Get your ass beat. You don't want to listen to me? Fine. Get your ass beat. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, stay and get your ass beat. Stay and get your fucking ass beat. This is my favorite line from Jersey Shore that I reference way too much. Oh god. <laughs> my favorite part about that fight was they like they got caught because my ta- my school is so fucking small, and like so they moved into another kid's house and the cops showed up and then one of the like the kids from one town who didn't have that many problems with the police, just kind of stood around not knowing what to do. The kids from the other town just bolted. Yeah. One person essentially running cartoon style and leaving a person-shaped hole in the fence as they ran through it. Oh my gosh. That's really funny. So. Anyway. Yeah. So we end up, you know, he rats out Jay. Hasselakos is, like, absolutely shocked. Um, she's, like, fucking aghast. Honestly, I don't blame her. I feel like if I was told this information, I, I'm like, my poker face would melt off. It's like, like, this is, like, not what teaching school prepares you for, right? Like, this is not what your admin certificate prepares you for when a kid just straight up says this. And she's like, well, you're gonna need more than just a suspension. And he's like, because he's, like, very much like, oh, like, you know, just let me know when I'll be able to come back. Yeah. Because he's thinking, oh, I was honest, so not the end of the world. Yeah. And she's just like, no, we're not playing that game. Like, you gotta pack your stuff, you gotta call your parents, like, you are expelled. Like, I fully support Hasselakis on this. Right? Like, it's just, like, I mean, it's, well, it's tough. It's tough. Because this is going into a territory that, as a teacher, they don't really prepare you for at all. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like, you want to believe in restorative practices, right? And you want to believe that people can be rehabilitated and reintroduced to a population. Yeah. But in a case like this where your actions impacted the community in such a way i don't know if if that can really truly i feel like everyone in the circle is so deeply triggered by it like i feel like like a lot of time the circles work because it's like you have people that are more on the periphery and things like that and you can like mediate it but like this this is entering a realm of very difficult shit and I also don't want to think that the 
Degrassi teachers are so unaware they wouldn't notice the change in the air from yesterday to today with Spinner. Yeah. Because, like, now that that's known, what future does Spinner have at this school? Yeah. Like, at that point, it's almost like a safety issue. Right? Because it's like, what, what do you do if that information comes out? Then how does the student body interact with Spinner from here on out? Is it even fucking possible to, like, have him safely in the school? Yeah. And I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, considering what they did to Rick. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even now, there is a bit of a, like, a, an unchartedness to this whole entire type of plot. Like, yeah. there's still this whole entire issue that there are things that are just, like, deeply unresolved. And I don't know if they can really be resolved, at least without at least some time that Spinner is away from the site. Yeah. It's almost like it needs, like, two different instances of healing. Yeah. And, like, also, like, you know who he doesn't point a finger to? Alex. No. And I, feel, I noticed that. And I feel like, no, no, kitties don't fall on the table. And I feel like that's because Alex was immediately like, this was a fucking shitty idea. Mm-hmm. Like, she immediately felt bad about it. So, we don't, Alex doesn't deserve to be ratted out. Right, right. Alex is entirely a non-factor in this episode. Yeah. So. It's... I don't know. There are some interesting things in this episode. I think there are some things that aren't so hot, but really the question falls to you, Frank. Well, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it a B plus. I okay. did not care for the B plot at all, but the A plot was as, as good as I can hope from the Degrassi writers. Fair enough. Like, I would have, I, this should have been a two-parter. Yeah. Like, this should have been a two-parter. Should have had Hazel stuff in it. Should have had Hazel stuff in it. (laughs) Quick pause for... For Dahlia Zoomies. Um, should have had... Uh, I nearly just said should have Dahlia in it. (laughs) That's not a lie! (laughs) Should have had Hazel in it. Um, should have had, like... Just Toby and all these other people dealing with what the fuck Spinner did. Yeah. Um, and it should have had, like, I would have loved to see Jay getting expelled. Yeah. Though, honestly, I feel like he would have just interrupted Hazel. He was like, am I expelled? Yes. All right, cool. Like, peace. <laughs> and just walks out, and his last words are, we all saw this coming. Right. It was only a matter of time. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. So, character rankings. Um, Jimmy, for handling all this, just your rising to page type, your rising to page heights, because, like, we didn't really mention this in the discussion, but, like, Jimmy, despite saying, you're dead to me, go drive off a bridge, put himself in harm's way to stop Spinner. Like... Yeah. That takes a moral fiber that I'm not sure I have. Because if I was that angry at a person, I don't know if I'd be able to be like, 
yeah, I should probably stop and help this person. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure, like, some people in my life probably, like, no, Frank is higher more fiber than that. Not so sure sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jimmy's rising to page levels. Jay is just con- going to just forever be a bottom feeder. We're just going to call him Catfish Jay from now on. Oof. Um... Hazel, you deserve more screen time, and for that, I'm going to bump you up a few spots. Um, Marco, for being just such a good, good boy, just continue to rise. Also, the page-esque levels. Craig, for doing your best to be responsible, you're also rising up. Paige, you're just continuing hanging out amongst the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, JT... Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Liberty for... You know... She just wanted a boyfriend. Yeah, she did. Like, but she also was still a good sister. Like, she had the blinders on to, like, some of JT's faults, which I feel like Danny pointed out. But, like, when the rubber hit the road, she was still there for her brother... Yeah. So that gets her bumped up about six or seven spots. Um, yeah. Spinner. You still haven't really done anything to make up for what you did, so you're going to hang out in the bottom feeders with Jay. Um, yeah. I think that's it, honestly. <laughs> There's not many characters in those. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. That's kind of all there is to it sometimes, right? Oh, no, Manny. Yeah. You didn't have any speaking lines in this. God. In this episode. Oh, but the fact that you dumped Spinner over this, that is bumping you up like nine or ten spaces alone. Oh, my gosh. Um, I guess now we can go on to recommendations, right? Yep. All right, so this is where we recommend things that um, we are enjoying or that we find to be tangentially related or anything like that. I mean, all I'm doing right now, once again, is watching Top Chef and playing Fire Emblem. I just got to a point in the game that actually does talk about apologies and, like, can you apologize for horrible things that you have done? Is there a way to really do that? Can a person be redeemed after doing some things that people would find to be unthinkable? So, not a terrible map. Like, not a bad idea. I feel like this is kind of like the recommendation for season four. Because I feel like (laughs) it's unintentionally answering and confronting similar questions that season four is confronting. Um, But it's, you know, also like, what else am I going to recommend? I know there are other things that probably work for this plot. I just... I have not read a book since Fire Emblem came out. <laughs> I have not watched... I've watched maybe one movie. I, I've had a rough couple months, okay? All I've had is Fire Emblem and Degrassi. I was going to say, on the subject of bullying, I'd like to recommend Untitled Goose Game. Right. Just be a bully goose. <laughs> um, another thing I recommend, um, we are wrapping up Halloween season. We're making our way into the holiday season in general. Um, one of my favorite things to do around this time of year is, honestly, I don't really care for the holidays. I don't really care for Christmas. Um, I have a December birthday, so I'm very bitter toward the existence of Christmas. However, what I do find very fun during this time of year is going onto YouTube and watching commercial blocks from various holidays. So, um, yesterday, 
and I was watching with some friends some Halloween commercials, just like blocks of Halloween commercials. Um, and then during Christmas time, I like to watch like blocks of Christmas commercials, like old retro ones and shit. So like if you need like some sort of weird background noise and you're not really sure what you want it to be um commercial blocks are on youtube are really fun also a big fan of mall ones once i saw one for a local mall to us which was really delightful um but it was like from like the late 80s which was really charming seeing how we live in jersey i feel like we should do like a youtube video of us going to that dream mall or where the fuck it is oh yeah (laughs) we should um but I, I recommend that if you're trying to find a way to unwind or you're trying to find a way to, like, cope with the holiday season. Um, have you seen that weird Folgers commercial? Of course I've seen the weird Folgers commercial, and I've also seen the fact that there is, like, fucking, like, 20 fix on AO3 about it. <laughs> yeah. What, what, the, what the fuck is that under? Weird? It's literally, like, Folgers Christmas commercial or some shit. I don't know what the, the, the category is. In terms of, like, like TV show or whatever, but it might be other. But um, there is straight up, like, a, a main kind of fandom tag for it. Alright, well, I've entered a world that I did not expect. Anyway, um, I don't really have anything related to this. You know what? Actually, tangentially related, the show Letterkenny mm-hmm. um, has an interesting uh, brother-sister dynamic... Um, where, uh, the sister in that show, Katie, constantly wears, like, jean shorts and, like, tank tops and whatnot, whatnot, and her brother's only comment on it is the way she dresses is unfortunate. And, like, but their relationship is very, feels like a very realistic brother-sister relationship. Where he trusts her to make her own decisions and whatnot. I just really appreciate that in a a show. Um, But I just saw the movie The Current War. Mm -hmm. um, Which stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Thomas Alba Edison. Michael Shannon as uh, George Westinghouse. Nicholas Holt as Nikola Tesla. And I didn't think a movie about the politics of electricity could be as riveting as it was this is basically the prestige but about something that actually matters and not magic mm-hmm. um like i was sitting on the edge of my seat when they got to the part of the like the world's fair and they're like who is gonna get the contract for the world's fair <laughs> and it's just it's just men it's just like men and like just hanging out and talking to each other is like there's a horrible scene with a horse because Thomas Edison's an asshole. Yeah. But it's, um, when you see the horse, just go out to the bathroom for, like, five minutes, you'll be fine. Um, Nicholas Holt is Nikola Tesla in it. The last time I saw Tesla in a movie, he was played by Bowie. Um, also in The Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> like, except, well, I'm not gonna spoil The Prestige. But, like, yeah, go see this movie. And I also saw The Lighthouse, which I... I'm wary to recommend because that movie is an experience and I'm like it's definitely art because I saw it last Saturday and I've not stopped thinking about it since then oh man don't you love when you get nerfed like that you're like oh man it is just 
I never want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> Not because it was bad, but because I feel like I, I feel like it once was enough. And actually, I'm going to be making a video about it uh, to hopefully go up this Friday. Well, let's start promoting our shit then, right? So, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you're interested in guesting, you can always email us at ihopod at gmail.com. I check the email, so if you have anything spoilery, you can always message me and I will filter out any messages to Frank. Um, we also have social media, which I am still in the process of quite recovering. I don't know if I revealed it too much. I mentioned it on this episode, but, like, I recently got a promotion. This month has been, like, these past few months have been a lot. They've been literally a roller coaster. Um, so I'm getting used to a new job, but we do have two places of social media that you can check us out. We have our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, and then we also have our Twitter account, which is at I Hope Pod, um, where people are, feel free to tweet at us or message us or whatever, um, and we like to reply. Um, and also, if you want to give back to the show, there are two ways that you can really do it. One would be through donating through our coffee account. Any money that we raise will go to tech upgrades as well as compensating guests. And we also have our review challenge. Once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives. We're going to check out Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High. And once we hit 30, we're actually going to write a piece based off of one of our plotline shuffle challenges that we had set up for ourselves. So if you want to have more content, we definitely want to give it to you. Just once we hit 20, we will be able to do so. Um, if you want to talk to me individually, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. As we know, it is Fire Emblem Hell right now, but also there are some breaks because I am absolutely obsessed with Degrassi No Context. Please check out this Twitter account. It legitimately makes me so happy, and it's so fucking funny. Um, they're also running a lot of really silly polls right now, like favorite hairstyles, worst hairstyles, whether or not Paige, like what kind of fire sign Paige would be, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you may also see some takes from Demi, friend of the show Demi, um, who has been expressing her opinions throughout the way, which I'm always, always, always happy to see. Um, so feel free to follow me on Twitter. Do not hesitate to at me and we can talk to Rossi. Um, I don't have a Twitter yet. Um... Ominous. I think I might get back into it. Um, do you really want to? I don't think about it before you do. Well, I, I don't bother retweeting other people's things. It's just for me to tweet, like, some weird phrases and funny jokes I come up with. Frank, do you tweet like an old man who thinks that you're on Google? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you ever see that article about the grandma who, like, when she Googles something, she says, Dear Google, please find this for me. Thank you very much. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't have a Twitter yet. I do have an Instagram, Sir I Would Challenge. If you want to check out all the pictures of cats I post up there. Yep. Um, and my, that's also the name of my YouTube channel. And I swear to God, I'm going to put some videos up there pretty soon. Um, and I also have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk that I uh, make with my sister, where we just kind of cover whatever teen movies and media we feel like. Um, this week is the Madam of Purity Falls, our first, the first of our listener request month, and, um, our last of Lifetime Movie Month. This, this movie was bonkers, hmm. and we also laid down the Ten Commandments of Lifetime Movies. Nice. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. 
All right. So with that said, everybody, we hope you can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. To me, coming from you.